Good morning, Faith Covenant Church. My name is Kurt, and I am one of the pastors here, and it is exciting to be together in worship for all of these, those of you joining us here on campus. It is good to be together to worship. It is fun to see. I want to say your smiling faces, but I can't see. You're, I can see your smiling eyes. It is good to see your smiling eyes. And uh, for all those joining us from home across the country, welcome to you. We are excited to be able to come together to worship the living God this morning. We are in our series called Amaze, where we're going through uh, some of our favorite psalms this summer. And today we're going to be in Psalm 42. And so we're going to uh, change up a little bit how we do our service this morning. If you were with us last week, you know that the psalms were the, the worship book of the people of Israel. And so there are songs and prayers. And as you read through the psalms, what you come to recognize is a lot of these are, are, are experiences of corporate worship. And so as we read through Psalm 42 today, we wanted to have it be a guide to our experience of worship. And so the message and the music and what the Holy Spirit is going to do is hopefully going to be woven together as a part of what God wants to do in us as we come to worship God this morning. And so I want to jump in this morning by, by looking at Psalm 42. Uh, the first, it's the first psalm actually in uh, the, the book of Psalms that is not attributed to King David. And we know that the Psalms were a collection of worship materials over about a thousand years. So there were a lot of people who contributed to them over time. And this one is attributed to the, the Korahites or, or the sons of Korah. And we know that Korah was one of the Levitical or the priestly musicians that was tasked by King David and later his son Solomon to, to put together the, the worship elements and the music for worship for the people of Israel. And so this psalm, Psalm 42, is one of those worship songs uh, that the people of Israel could sing and, and recite together. Now, we're not going to read Psalm 43, but if you do any study on the background of Psalm 42, 42 and 43 are actually part one and part two of one psalm. It has the same Theme. It has the same phrases, and so if you want to spend some time in Psalm 42 this week, I encourage you to go ahead and read Psalm 43 as well. Scholars tell us that Psalm 42 is a psalm of lament, and a lament is a, is a passionate cry of grief or sorrow, and, and how appropriate for us in our day and with everything going on in our country is it for us to recognize that we can come to God with everything that we're going through and all that we see happening around us and we can cry out to God in grief and in sorrow and he hears our cry and he answers our prayers in a way that no one else can. Psalm 42 begins in verse 1 saying, As a deer longs for flowing streams. So my soul longs for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come behold the face of God? My tears have been my food day and night, while people say to me continually, where is your God? You see, in this beautiful poetic imagery, the psalmist invites us to consider the condition of our own souls. And this idea that longing for God inside of us is, is like a deer who longs for streams of water out in the wilderness. 
In an incredibly vivid analogy, he's telling us that in a, in a very similar way, our souls thirst for God. Flowing water is fresh water, right? Fresh water is living water because when you can get to a source of fresh, drinkable water, it is life for your soul. It is life for your body. And the psalmist reminds us that like living water, like drinking fresh water, we have a living God. We have a living God who is a source of life for our soul. Last week in Psalm 4, we talked about how the Psalms remind us over and over again that life is difficult. Life is hard. You don't have to be alive on this planet very long to know that life doesn't always give you roses. We should not be surprised when life gets hard. Sometimes, though, when life gets hard, it can feel like God has abandoned us. God can become mysterious. God can feel far away. When we begin to wonder if God is there and does God even care and how long will I have to go through what I'm experiencing until I find some relief and some hope. And in reality, what happens is when we begin to experience difficulties and hardships in life, the pain of that can cause us to focus inward on the pain itself. And everything else starts to get crowded out because the pain itself becomes the focus of our life. The world around us can even begin to taunt us, either literally or figuratively. Like it says in the psalm, where is this God that you say you believe in? What good is he doing for you today? Why are you putting your hope in something you cannot see and that isn't quick to solve all your problems and and fix the pain of your life? But we also talked last week about how this idea in the Bible of the face of God being turned toward us is a symbol of intimacy with God. The face of God is God present to us And as we read through the scriptures, we talk about how the Psalms always point us to Jesus. And and, and in Jesus, Jesus is God with a face. Jesus is God saying, I am with you. Jesus is God saying, I know that life is hard. I know that this world is broken, but you don't have to fear. You don't have to be anxious because I am with you. When can I find a way to behold the face of God? of God, the psalmist says. When can I find a way to reconnect with the source of my life, to enter into God's loving presence, to experience this gift of renewal that comes from standing within the mercy and the grace and the healing power of God's personal presence with us? Now, the context of this psalm, they assume, is likely exile. Because the the psalmist is talking about how he remembers being able to go to worship with the people of God in the temple. And that going to worship, like we're doing this morning, is entering into that intimate presence of the God who loves us. And the God who wants to be a balm for the healing of our souls. To meet with God face to face, to worship God with God's people, is to come to drink from the life-giving waters that only God can provide. Even though I don't feel it, even though I can't see it, even though the psalmist struggles with anxieties and doubts, he's not left without spiritual resources. He can remember the times when he was 
able to feel God's presence. He can remember the times when he was refreshed by spending time with God and by worshiping God together with his people. How often in this season of COVID-19, when we've been separated and we're worshiping online, do we begin to feel isolated and distant? And, And how much of that soul thirstiness is a condition that we actually are experiencing every day? And maybe we haven't before today realized how thirsty our soul really is. What a joy to be able to come together with God's people and to gather even online during this time. To be able to come to worship, not because it's something we have to do to to get brownie points to get into heaven, but because our souls are such in desperate need of the life-giving water that can only come from entering into God's loving presence. In verse 4, he says, These things I remember as I pour out my soul. How I went with the throng, with the congregation, and led them in procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of thanksgiving, a multitude-keeping festival. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my help and my God. I want to invite the worship team to come and join me on the platform. As we come to worship this morning, I invite each one of us to consider the condition of our own souls. Are you thirsty this morning? Are you in need of a life-giving source of water that, that can only come from the God who created you and knows you and loves you like no one else can? In many ways, we come to worship this morning in exile, too. We have been exiled to our homes. We have been exiled uh, away from work. We have been exiled uh, from one another. And yet this morning, in spite of all that's happening around us, I believe the Spirit of God wants to remind us that no matter where we are worshiping this morning, if we turn our face to the living God, He will turn His face to us. He will meet us in our worship and allow us to drink deeply from his life-giving waters. We are excited to be a uh, truly intergenerational community. We know that there are kids with us here this morning and worshiping with us at home. And so for you kids, we'd love for you to uh, watch this little video and uh, just invite God into your heart in a fresh new way through this video this morning. Let's watch together. Good morning, boys and girls. I'm coming to you from my garden after a nice morning rain. I can't remember the last time it rained. It's been many, many days. And I'm one who really likes the sunshine, but boy, after it's been warm and sunny and so hot out, I really do enjoy a refreshing rain. How many of you, as part of your chores at home, have to water the garden, or maybe you have to water the lawn, and you know, day after day after day, it gets a little tedious, doesn't it? boy, that day that it rains, it's so refreshing to not have to water and all of the plants, everything just seems so much better. Well, I was thinking about how God refreshes us. In Psalm 42, it says that as the deer pants for water, so my soul longs for you, God, pants for you. I didn't realize that deer panted. Did you realize that? How many of you have dogs? You know, when they're really hot and they're thirsty and they're panting, Well, they need some water, they need a rest. And that's exactly what deer do, I guess, is they pant when they need water or they need a rest. 
and God is there to provide that. So I was out in my garden this morning and I was looking at all of my plants and my vegetables and I have this cucumber that's climbing up a vine and it's got some little cucumbers on it. And I noticed that the leaves up on the top were really green, like this one. Um, green and um, just fresh and looks healthy, right? Well, halfway down my cucumber vine, it was all dried out and like crispy and just parched. I think I wasn't watering really well at first because this is what the leaves look like. And so I realized that sometimes I feel like this. Do you ever feel like this? You feel kind of dried out. You feel kind of parched, like you're in need of something, in need of rest, in need of refreshment. Well, in the second verse of Psalm 42, it says that my soul thirsts for God, for the living God. You know, God is often likened to water, living water, and he provides that refreshment. He provides that nourishment, that rest, that um, filling up when we feel dried out and crusty and kind of crispy, he provides that for us. And so that's what I want to be thinking about this week. And I'm challenging you guys, next time you're out watering your garden or your lawn, think about how you're feeling and thinking about, boy, do I need a little good, long, cool drink of God just to make myself feel better and to feel refreshed and to fill something in me that is missing. Um, I hope that you think about that. I hope that you guys have a great week. I miss you terribly, and I cannot wait to see you. Bye. Good morning, boys and girls. I'm well, again, I'm glad that that video was good for the kids. <laughs> now, we also need to hear that same message, right? And that is our theme for this morning, that, that God is and can be living water for our souls. You know, life is difficult, and, and we know that it's difficult, and yet isn't it true that we often want to and spend a lot of time trying to avoid painful situations in our lives? I mean, in one sense, it's normal, right? I mean, who would willingly want to experience pain? I mean, we, it, we, that doesn't make any sense. And yet, in another sense, we also know that that, that pain can be somewhat of a good thing in our lives. You know, the old workout phrase, right? No pain, no gain. And so we know in other circumstances, when we want to achieve something, when we want to, 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 to work for something, we want to see a goal, it often takes some measure of difficulty, some struggle and some pain in our lives to achieve something worthwhile. Now, we also know that there is a bad kind of pain that comes from injury and comes from, from, from evil. And we're not suggesting that we should desire that kind of pain in our lives. That's why this psalm is written. The psalmist recognized that sometimes uh, we can experience the evils of this world and we need help and we need hope. And yet part of the answer to overcome some of the painful circumstances in our lives is that we know that we have a trash to treasure God. That, that if you read the story of Joseph, Joseph's perspective is what, what they, they meant for evil. God, you turned for good. And so even though we live in a difficult life, in a, in a painful world, because God is real and he's a living God and because Jesus gave his life, we can hope and we can have faith that no matter what we experience, he can turn for our good. And in that we can see his glory. Amen. There's also a, 
a good kind of pain. There's like a, a workout pain, right? Uh, there, 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 there's stress, which is bad, but then there's eustress, which, which can be good. It can challenge our bodies to, to increase in strength and in stamina. And, and should it be any different for our spirits and our souls? Without pain, there can be no increase in strength. Without some measure of pain, there's no increase in endurance and in stamina. I remember reading as a young man the, uh, some of the writings of, of C.S. Lewis. Uh, and in one of his writings, he said, you know, uh, hunger is a pain. But could we live without it? I mean, how do you know when it's time to feed your body? Well, your body starts to feel hunger pains, right? And, and so it's a signal that reminds us that our body needs care. Our body needs fuel. We need to, we need to feed our bodies. And, and, and so hunger, though it's a pain, produces a, a positive result in caring for, for ourselves. Is our, our spirit any different? When we begin to experience thirst and hunger pains in the soul, do we, do we connect the dots in our minds that, that what our soul is needing is to, to feed and to drink of the living water of God? I know for me, too often, I don't connect those dots. I forget that those two go hand in hand. And I start to wonder, why am I feeling so depressed? Why am I feeling so down? Why, like the psalmist, are you, a soul, are you so downcast within me? And, and it takes me a while to go, oh yeah, maybe my soul is thirsting for something that only God can provide. Now I'm going around looking to kind of to feed my soul in all these other ways when all the while God says, I have already made available the one thing that you need, the one thing that will make a difference, the one thing that your soul really craves. In verse six, he continues, my soul is cast down within me. Therefore, I remember you. See, he's connecting the dots. I'm experiencing my soul being downcast. I'm feeling weighed down by life. I'm feeling depressed. I don't know how to break out of the darkness of, of what I'm experiencing in, a, in my box. And he goes, oh yeah, I need to remember God. I need to remember that, that God is with me. I need to remember that God's love is steadfast love. It never ceases. It never goes away. And I, the reason I can bank my life on that is because I can go back and I can remember all the ways that God has shown that he has been faithful to his people from generation to generation to generation. It's the remembering and the proclaiming of what God has done that we do every week in worship that restores our soul to hope and to faith that he's done it before. He can do it again and he'll do it for me in this season. Amen. From the land of Jordan and of Hermon, from Mount Mizar, deep calls to deep. At the thunder of your cataracts, all your waves and your billows have gone over me. By day, the Lord commands his steadfast love. At night, his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. 
Yes, my soul is downcast. Yes, I'm experiencing doubt. Yes, I'm experiencing difficulty and pain in my life right now. I'm not doing very well today. But yet I can recognize that these pangs of hunger and this thirst down deep within me are leaving me feeling frustrated, hurt, unhappy, dissatisfied with life. And yet in those moments, uh, rather than allowing my life to close in on me and overwhelm me, I can turn my face to God and I can remember who God really is. I can remember what God has done in the past. And therefore, I could recognize that he invites me to feel and to see in this deep-seated pain that I feel in the very depths of my soul that no one else may realize is there. And I don't even know how to share or articulate to those around me is a kind of deep calling to deep. It is the Spirit of God calling to our spirit, saying, I know where you are. I know what you're going through, and I am with you in it to the very end. It's a recognition that the only source of help and hope for something so deeply broken within us in such a deeply broken world is the depth of the steadfast love of God for you and for me. And that's the whole good news message of Jesus, isn't it? That he was willing to go to the very depths of hell itself to tell us that there is nowhere we can go to to be so far away from his love and his mercy and his grace. There is nothing that you can experience. There is no pain too deep. There is no sin too great that his mercy and his grace can't meet you where you are and give you a cool drink of water to refresh you, to set you on a new path again and to bring you into the light in the hope of his love. Men and women, this is good news in a dark, in a hurting world. The truth of who God is and of what he has done in the past is a prayer of hope for my own rescue and my own deliverance in whatever I'm experiencing today. Have you ever been really thirsty? Have you ever experienced like deep thirst? I have. Quite a few times. Uh, one especially, I remember Tammy and I were, were just uh, not even really dating yet. And we were youth counselors with our youth group in Phoenix. And uh, we got a chance to lead a youth trip, a middle school youth trip to Yosemite National Park. Beautiful God country, right? You can't help but be in awe of God's presence within Yosemite National Park. And we had this great idea. We're going to lead these middle school kids on a hike to the top of Half Dome. So it was a 16-mile round-trip hike, you know, eight miles up, eight miles back. And so we went on this trek, and we hiked, and we made it. There were some challenges along the way, but we made it to the top. And when we got to the top of Half Dome, you know what we realized? We were out of water. Right? Altitude, dry summer heat, middle school kids, no water. This is not a good situation. So we started going through our packs and we're like, there's got to be something that has some moisture in it, right? And you know what we found? Canned tuna in water. (laughs) 
man, we cracked those things open and we drank it like it was a fresh rolling stream. We were so thirsty. We were in such desperate need of water. Even briny tuna water was life-giving water to our bodies. Have you ever been really thirsty? When you're really thirsty, you know what it is to need that refreshment of water in your body. Is it any different for our spirits and our souls? How many times do we we set out on a trek to climb Mount Everest in our lives, thinking that we're going to achieve these great things, that that, that we're going to have the the perfect marriage, that we're going to have the the perfect family, that that, that we're going to have the perfect boyfriend or girlfriend, and all of a sudden we get to the, the top of the mountain, we realize we forgot to bring our water. And no matter how high you achieve in life without that water, it doesn't do any good because because your soul is going to shrivel. Like Cindy's wonderful illustration, that brown, dry leaf, what good does it do to, to make it to the top of the mountain when you get there and you're just a dry, crispy nothingness? Even then, briny tuna water starts to sound pretty good. It was just a small amount of water, but it was what we needed to restore us and revive us and to keep us going. I want to invite the worship team to come back and join me again. And as they come and we continue to worship and allow Psalm 42 to guide us to the source of life-giving water and worship this morning, are you thirsty today? Is your soul in need of, the, of that drink of deep living water in those broken, hurting places that maybe no one else knows about this morning, but you know they're there? Maybe you came to worship not anticipating that God was going to show up and invite you to experience Him in a new or a fresh way, and, and the Holy Spirit is using this moment to invite you to finally put down your defenses and to open your soul to God to allow Him to pour that life-giving water into those places of hurt and brokenness that need refreshing and healing this morning. God is here. He wants to shine the light of his face on your life and on my life. So as we worship this morning, let us lift our faces to him. Let us open our souls and through his Holy Spirit, pour out his life-giving water, the refreshing rain of his spirit that is the only thing that can quench our deepest longings and our greatest needs. Even as we worship and we turn our faces to God to drink from this living stream, we recognize with the psalmist that we live with this tension of the now and the not yet. That while God is here and God has made provision for our souls, yet we continue to experience the difficulty of the pain of life in this world. In verse 9, he says, I say to God, my rock... Why have you forgotten me? Why must I walk around mournfully because the enemy oppresses me? As with a deadly wound in my body, my adversaries taunt me while they say to me continually, where is your God? Everything in this world wants to tell you that there is no hope. 
that God is not there, that this faith that you claim you believe in is just a myth, that you should just give up on that fantasy, come into the modern world and realize that the only one that you can really rely on is yourself. How's that working for you? Men and women... We live with this tension, and God knows that it's hard. God knows that it's a struggle to maintain our faith with him, in Him. God knows that it's hard when life gets difficult and relationships become conflicted to turn our hearts to Him and to recognize that that, that, that pain is a, a pain of thirst and hunger that should remind us that our first step should be to go to God and not to rely on our own wisdom and our own strength to somehow be able to figure it out. In this sense, in verse 9, I say to God, my rock, he recognizes in faith that the only solid foundation for life in this world is God. Isn't that what Jesus said, right? Any person who builds their house on the sand is going to be doomed to failure because when the storms come and the waves crash and the deep waters come in life, you have no foundation. Your house is going to be a house of cards. It's going to crumble. It's going to fall. But there is a foundation, there is a rock upon which you can build your life. And it doesn't mean that the storms aren't going to come because that's the whole point. It's when they come. You will have a foundation upon which you can build your life. And even though it'll shake and even though it'll rumble and even though the water might rise, you have faith that God will see you through. Because Jesus is the rock. He is the, the cornerstone, the foundation upon which God says we can build our lives so that we do not need to fear when trouble comes, when the pain happens, when the depression sets in. Why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God. For I shall again praise him, my help and my God. See, he closes with a statement of faith. It's a statement of hope that even though he lives with this tension and he knows that, that life is hard, he can bank his life uh, that, that it is not permanent. It will not last forever because God has promised that he is with us and he will help us. See, the Psalms always point us back to the story of Jesus, to be reminded that God has already paid the ultimate price so that we don't have to. So that we don't have to, to fear life in this world. We can build a life on the foundation of what God has already accomplished on the cross, that, that, that all of it has already been paid for, the solution has already been provided, and all we need to do is to receive the cup and drink. And feed our souls on the bread of life. Even in these shifting times that we live in, God's truth has not changed. Therefore, when our souls cry out, we are invited to remember who God is and what he has done. We are invited to remember that in worship we can meet with God face to face and we can find rest and renewal for our souls. But there's one third piece that, that scholars suggest is a part of this psalm that we can rush over too quickly and miss. And that is in worship we are invited into the believing community of people who are also a part of the foundation of our life. You're not 
in it alone. One of the beauties of being able to come and worship together is that we are reminded that we're not in it alone, right? When we're worshiping from home and we're isolated in our, in our houses and we're watching online, as many of you are today, it might feel like you're separate from the body, but nothing could be further from the truth. The Spirit of God that he has given to you through his Son Jesus and that he's given to me isn't uh, bound up in four walls on some campus. <laughs> Right? The wind blows where it will. And the Holy Spirit can bind us together to be a buoy in the storm to help lift us when we feel like we're drowning. Who do you have in your life that can be a buoy for you? Because that's what church is all about. Again, going to church isn't some religious rule that we do to somehow earn heaven. It's an invitation to be a part of the spiritual community where God's Spirit lives. Through the Holy Spirit. And so you may come to worship this morning, and I don't know what's in your soul, but maybe you're just not feeling it, right? Maybe, Kurt, you don't know what I'm dealing with. Kurt, you don't know how hard it is for me. Kurt, you don't really know what I'm going through right now. I just can't, as much as I want to believe, I can't say that I, I feel close to God today. And you know what? That's okay. Because we have enough faith for you. Our faith can lift up your pain when you're struggling and you just don't feel it and you can't even enter into worship. It's the faith of the believing community that allows us to proclaim the good news of Jesus, to to tell of his wonderful deeds so that even when you don't feel it, you can bank your life on it because it's not about how you feel. It's about the truth of who God is and the reality that even when you don't feel it, you can believe it. Amen? Men and women, we live in a world that is running after feelings. It doesn't matter what the truth is anymore. It matters how you feel. The problem is feelings are fickle. They come and go. They rise and fall. And more often than not, when we're hoping that that the world is going to make us feel good all the time, we're left disappointed and let down. That's why the Psalms are so important, because life is hard and it's not going to feel good all the time. And so like Job, right? Satan comes to God in the story of Job and says, this guy, Job, come on. He only has faith in you because you give him all this good stuff. Well, you give him a great family. You give him a good house. He's like one of the wealthiest people in the land. The only reason he has faith in you is because you give him all this, take all his stuff away and he'll curse you to his, your face. God says, oh, you think so? Let's try it out. So he takes his wealth and he takes his relationships and he takes his health and he's covered with sores and and it's just he and his wife left and he's, he's like on his deathbed, right? And his wife even gives up faith and she says, just curse God and die. But Job says, no, I came into this world naked. I'm gonna leave this world naked. And my faith is not about the stuff that God gives me. It's about who God is. And so the story of Job becomes a challenge to the modern American Christian on our own faith. Why do we have faith in God? Is it because of all the stuff that he can provide? 
God wants to give stuff. God wants to bless us with all kinds of good things. But, but if we experience a little bit of pain, if we experience a little bit of difficulty, if we experience some conflict in our lives, do we then assume that God has abandoned us and that God doesn't care? Is our faith all based on God being a cosmic vending machine? If we just come to church and pull the right lever, lever he's going to give us spiritual candy bars? Well, of course, if you say it that way, Kurt, no. But how often do we really approach our faith in God from this mindset? See, the Bible over and over again tries to remind us that feelings never lead us to truth. Truth always leads us to right feelings. And so we bank our life on the historical precedent of who God has demonstrated himself to be. And that faith in the truth of who God has revealed himself to be and why the Bible is so valuable because it's a a record of who God has been and what he has done. And it's a reminder that he is the kind of God who you can trust. And that trust comes often through the faith of a trusted brother or sister when we are struggling and we just don't have it in us and we're just not feeling it to come alongside and say, you know what, that's okay. I got enough faith for both of us today. So I don't know where you are today, where you come to worship this morning. I don't know what you're struggling with, but you know what? You have come to a believing community at Faith Covenant Church that has your back. And we've said it here before, and I will say it again today. It's okay to not be okay. And sometimes just the freedom to admit that I'm not okay and I'm not having a good day is enough to allow us to release some of the pressure and and to be able to begin to open ourselves to that life-giving stream of water that we know we so desperately need, but we've just not been able to give ourselves to enter into. See, in worship together, it's not only my faith that counts. It's our faith collectively that lifts us all up to the throne room of God. And we can come to the throne of God with confidence, the Bible says, because of Jesus, because Jesus is alive and he has ascended to heaven and he sits at the right hand of God. Why is he at the right hand of God? To advocate for you and me. And so you can come to the throne of God because when you come to the throne of God, you're going to see the face of Jesus saying, come on, I got your back. And we can see the face of Jesus in the face of one another as we come to Christian community and we participate in the shared life of Christ together. We can trust that when we do, there is life-giving water for our soul. I want to invite the worship team to come one last time for our closing song. And I want to invite everyone to stand. And before we sing this last song together, I invite you to again open your heart and open your soul to the words of Hebrews 4.16. And as we sing this song, if it be in your power, even if it's not, you can allow the rest of us to do it for you, to come boldly to the throne of God. 
to come with confidence that God knows what you're experiencing. God knows what you need today. And if you're willing to simply admit that, it, that, that maybe you're just not perfect and maybe you're just not okay and there is something that God may have for you today, receive that through his spirit as a gift this morning. Therefore, it says in verse 14, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with us in our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Men and women, would you pray with me? Holy God, we thank you that you have welcomed us into your throne room. With mercy and grace, you invite us to realize that you have paid the ultimate price so that we can come freely and boldly to ask for everything that we need. So we thank you for the gift of worship this morning, the gift of your people and the gift of your presence. Would you allow us to remember that we can take this with us wherever we go. And so as we go today, God, we ask that you would restore us and renew us, that you would refresh us from the inside out and allow us to be a blessing to those that you would send us to so that we can be a part of the solution to the brokenness and the hurt and the pain of this world simply by being a person who says, I have faith enough for both of us. I am with you and I love you and God loves you too.